The year is 1946. The place, Grand Central Terminal, New York. Grace Healy stumbles upon a seemingly abandoned suitcase, decides to open it up, and finds the pictures of 12 women wearing military uniforms. From there, she decides that her quest is to figure out who these women are and what happened to them. The year is 1943. The place, London. Eleanor Trigg has come to the conclusion that female secret agents in France just might be the key to winning the war, and gets to work on organizing the female division of the Special Operatives Executive. The year is 1944. The place, France. Marie Roux has finished her training and has been sent on a mission to France to work as a radio operator and to pass information back and forth. Danger surrounds her while she works in enemy territory. The Lost Girls of Paris tells the story of these three women intertwining their tale and taking readers to World War II, where intrigue and spies abound. This is a story of friendship, valor, and betrayal. Welcome to Treat Your Shelf, a book club podcast where each month we read a book and come together to discuss it. I'm Hannah. I'm Emma. And I'm Christina. And today we will be discussing The Lost Girls of Paris by Pam Jenoff. So first off, to start us off, we're going to give our one or two sentence non-spoiler review of the book. Christina, why don't you start us off? Oh my gosh, I'm first. You're first! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mine was just one sentence. A lot of things were found. But what was lost? (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Okay, but what did you think of the book? One word, one sentence. Mine's going to be like five sentences. You can do more than... Mine's two sentences. (laughs) Uh, At first blush, I really liked it. But the longer it sat with me, the more I didn't. (laughs) Interesting. Okay, good, because that's how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I really thought this book was going to be cool because it's about spies during World War II, but then it wasn't. And at first I thought, oh, you know, that's just, this book isn't for me because it's romance and it's bad. But yeah, so I've been sitting on this book for like two weeks now waiting to talk about it. And the more I think about it, it's just everything is just so terrible. It's terribly written it's the characters are terrible (laughs) there's nothing good about this book but was it romance (laughs) (laughs) that something we will discuss as in in my notes i wrote romance question mark (laughs) (laughs) so then i guess for me it was a page turner it kept me wanting to know what was going to happen next uh when emma asked me if i was satisfied with what happened the answer is no I I had a lot of problems with characters and their actions throughout the book. So really great concept. Really wanted it to be amazing. And it was just kind of fine. I, I'm going to be generous and say it was fine. Yeah, you're not offended like I am <laughs> this book. <laughs> Give me another week and maybe my, um, oh my, my opinion will change. All right, so now that we've heard our non-spoiler review... Let's get into it. uh, Let's get into our spoiler-filled discussion. So if you have not read The Lost Girls of Paris yet and do not want to be spoiled, then pause this podcast, read the book, and come back and listen to it. 
If you've already read the book and are fine with being spoiled, then keep listening. So I wanted to go through the characters first, and I kind of wanted to go into them in order. Um, so starting with Grace, what do we think about Grace in this book? Grace, who finds a suitcase and immediately snoops in it and steals pictures okay, from no, it. No, she doesn't immediately snoop in it. There's like two or three pages of her being like, should I open the suitcase? What, I, what I, should I do with oh, it? Oh, I, I don't know. And... So, one of the things about this book is it's completely written in exposition. It's just so terrible. But the most detail in this book is about whether or not this girl's going to open this dumb suitcase, which we already know is going to happen because it's in the description of the book. Right, right. So, I immediately did not like Grace for many reasons. Like, why wasn't she debating on, should I turn it in? Like, why wasn't her first thought, like, I need to turn this into Lost and Found, and then she wouldn't be a character, which would be fine. Yeah. It, it, it did confuse me that that never really seemed to be an yes, option. There were two options, open or don't open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> steal or don't steal. And then, yeah... The, the first part where I was kind of iffy about the writing was when, like, the pictures gave her, like, or, like, the envelope of the pictures yeah, she gave her, like, this terrible paper cut or something. And it was, blood to drip it, was, her it was described as, like, the worst cut that anybody could possibly get. And I was oh, like, well, paper in the 40s, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, is this, like, cardstock or, like, what's going on here? I was, I had to reread it because I was didn't even really know what happened because I was like, how could she get a paper cut from just picking up an envelope and putting it back? I, I don't know. As a teacher, <laughs> I have gotten many, many paper cuts and I can honestly say not a one has been like blood dripping down yes. my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, okay. So what do, what do people think of Grace as a person? <laughs> Let's talk about your terrible decisions. I thought she made very terrible decisions throughout the book. And I thought that her character was like really happenstance or I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, <laughs> like things happened that didn't make sense that they would happen. Like everything was too. There was no conflict in the whole book. No, really. there yeah. was no conflict. Her biggest conflict was like, am I going to betray my dead husband by like moving on and then which she had already moved on really <laughs> she had already done but then she was regretting it yeah yes. yeah yeah which that was the annoying thing where it's like okay either like this guy or don't like this guy don't talk every moment being like I can't be with him but I want to be with him but I also don't want to be with him right <sighs> I don't know I think that was the part of the book that was trying to be a romance novel. Yeah. Mm, you know, like this indecision. Right. Somehow making it more romantic that he keeps popping up everywhere and inserting himself into her life and her storyline. Right. And <laughs> his popping up, and we can talk about this after we talk about the rest of the girls, but I was very suspicious of Mark throughout the entire book. Yeah. I was convinced that he was in on, like, some big conspiracy. Yeah, I thought he, like, either... I thought he did something in the war, you know, some sort of war crime. I, for a couple seconds, I was like, he might be a Nazi. Somebody in here has to be a secret Nazi. Yeah. But that, I wasn't really convinced of that, but I thought... He he's the one that ran the over... That um, is, 
Yes. Eleanor. Yes. Eleanor. I was convinced. I was convinced he was the one who killed Eleanor. That like yes. she was like trying to either go to DC or come back from DC, and he knew about it because he works in DC, and and he yeah. had to stop her from whatever it was she was trying to do. I was so convinced that and he, he was planted a bad the guy. suitcase for Grace to find, and then <laughs> she was like, I can help you figure out all of this because I know where the files are because I planted the files there. <laughs> oh, he'll he'll already know somehow, like, everything yeah. about mm-hmm. these girls. Mm-hmm. But, okay. Mark doesn't matter. Grace doesn't matter. We can talk about Eleanor because she's probably the most nothing character in this book. Right. <laughs> than Grace? <laughs> well, just because, well, Grace somewhat had a personality, but I feel like Eleanor's defining quality was that she was unlikable, and that was kind of the point of her character, but because she's unlikable, I didn't like her. So Right, they did make a big point of I being don't have like, anything more to say cares. about Eleanor. Nobody cares for Eleanor. Yeah, I didn't actually write any Yeah, notes does anybody have notes about, about Eleanor? That's why I wanted to talk about her I real think, quick. Um I, I do want to kind of jump back to uh, Grace. So you know Grace is trying to figure out what happened to the agents in the pictures. Yes, um, after she opens this random suitcase she finds in a train station. She decides that she needs to figure out who these girls are and what happened to them. And But, so, there's this point where she feels like she's figured it out. She's like, wait a minute, somebody betrayed these girls. Somebody high up betrayed them. It must have been Eleanor. And she, like, goes and she tells Mark and she's, like, all convinced. Like, it had to be Eleanor. But then in her mind, so later, she, and then she's like, well, how could... The way that she then, like, waffled, where she was, like, so convinced it was Eleanor, and then, like, her thought process went back to, like, no, it couldn't possibly be Eleanor. It was really annoying because it was, like, two seconds ago, you were so convinced it was Eleanor, and nothing has changed from those two seconds, where all of a sudden you're just like, nah, it can't be her. (laughs) And then you're like, no, no, it is her. How can someone be so confident that they have the answers when, like, a spy ring is involved? Like, why do they expect everything to be written out in a file? Like, I don't understand why they have, why they're so confident in their assumptions. You read one, one letterhead that had Eleanor's name on it and, like, one, like, telegraph or whatever telegram yeah. heads are like them standing <laughs> with their fingerprints or like i don't know <laughs> like uh, I, mean, I don't yeah i i don't have a lot to talk about in regards to yeah, elnor was in charge of the lost girls before they were lost <laughs> she yeah. she created more or less the, mm-hmm. the female spiring and then she didn't really do anything the whole book Right. The most important character. Yeah. Help prevent anything. Like, she saw the checks being missed. I mean, I guess she tried. I don't know. I mean, and then in the end, do we really find out who really sabotaged it and why? No. That's, yeah, like, the the big mystery that you find out towards the very end of the book, that there's a big mystery. <laughs> yeah, the plot comes at the end of the book. <laughs> um, you, you find out that somebody within the British, like, SOE uh, betrayed the girls, that they kept broadcasting, even though they knew that the Germans were, like, on the line, that the Germans were um, somehow also sending messages back and receiving messages. And so you find this out towards the end, and then it just turns out to be, like, just the British government 
was the people who knew. Yeah, like, they, they like, knew. Oh, we tried to use it to our advantage. And, yeah, they, they tried to use it, I guess, to distract from D-Day. I guess. Um, which, so, the thing is, so this is supposed to be historical fiction, which, that's debatable. But, and so I realized this is basically how it happened in history. Yeah. But so much of the rest of the book is fictionalized, so why not fictionalize this part to make it more satisfying? Right, like, give us a specific, like, traitor, give us a specific, like, Nazi, give us give us something. But yeah, it, it is very much the way it happened in, in history. Just, oh, we don't know. Where we're not sure, but theories are that, yes, like, the British government knew that security checks weren't being done correctly, that they knew that the Germans um, were sending and receiving, and then they tried to use it. That part is is based on, like, if you look up um, Vera Atkins, who is, like, the real-life Eleanor Trigg, there's... I I could be wrong about this, but I I feel like a big discussion around her is, like, did she know that um, the transmissions weren't... um, Like, that the checks weren't all there? Mm -hmm. um, And... And that basically, yes, somewhere along the line, the Germans did actually, like, get the codes and were sending transmissions and receiving transmissions. And either the government was just incompetent and didn't realize it, or mm-hmm. the government did realize it and was trying to use it as a distraction from from other events. Mm-hmm. But that part is more or less factual. Right. Okay. Um, so. Oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> I was hoping that part would be fiction. No. Everything also, that was... Like, did you everything. think it was Julia or Julie, whatever her name Ju- was? Uh, Josie? Jo- no, not Josie. Julie, she was one of the transcribers. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I thought it, I thought for sure that it was the girl in the radio room. Yeah. Like, yeah. She was, like, going so pale when, when one of the transmissions was through. And I was like, it was her. It was you. She's a Nazi. Yeah. She's a Nazi. Somebody's a secret Nazi. I know. <laughs> no one's a secret Nazi. Is it? Uh, yes. Talking about Marie. I think we have to. She's going to be our um, discussion. My, my note was, I was so angry with her. As soon as she set foot in France, it was like she forgot her training. She was asking too many questions and she wasn't following orders. And I don't know if that was done to make her seem independent or whatever, but it was frustrating, especially because actual SOE agents would have trained for that exact happenstance of you get there and, oh, all of a sudden things need to change. You need to sleep in a shack. That's just the way it is. But she was just so affronted and just so annoyed and just asking all these questions. I was like, that's not how you're an agent. That's not how, but I think she took on the role of like general, uh, romance novel heroine. Who's like, like she was so cliche in that respect. Like, Oh, I'm so stubborn and Mm -hmm. like off the cuff and all this. And doesn't it make me endearing to everyone here, especially Vesper, like the highest mm. in command person who's not old. He's really young and hot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like it's just totally cliche. And I felt like her story arc was like a bunch of little hills where, like, she starts off kind of at the bottom. She grows in boot camp to, like, a respectable character. Then she immediately declines when she gets to France. And then, actually, while she's in France, I feel like she develops back into, like, a kind of a respectable character. 
Kind uh, of. But then, like, yeah. just declines again. And I don't know. So yeah. I do know. Marie <laughs> yeah. doesn't do anything. Okay, she, okay, Marie does one thing in this book. She sets the detonator for the bomb to blow out the bridge. Mm-hmm. All right, and that's no something. And made a big deal about it. Yeah. It's, yeah, we, we we don't even know. Okay, they they didn't say like, and then the bridge exploded. The, but we then she just says later, yeah, the bridge exploded. Well, it's like, there well, there was when a did that happen? no. Like you do you do know that there's an explosion, but you just don't know if the bridge is destroyed. As far as I know, but doesn't she go back into town? Well, she looks the... back and sees like a bright light for a yeah. second. Oh, I must skip that part. Yeah, <laughs> no, it definitely says like the explosion happens. So the explosion oh. does happen. You know that for no, sure. Okay. But anyway, back to, okay, Marie doesn't do anything in this entire, so, you know, when she's doing her training, she's doing the run and she can't finish the run herself. Eleanor destroys her radio at one point to prove that she's bad at her job. And then all the other agents, she can't put the radio back together herself, proving Eleanor's point. Yes. And then, so, oh my God. And then. Josie sacrifices herself to save Eleanor, or not Eleanor, save Marie. Marie doesn't do anything to save herself. And then I thought the book was going to be Marie's journey through Germany to get to the Allied lines. No, she's just off screen rescued by some German guy who's like, <laughs> yes, I will help you. <laughs> she doesn't do anything. And then at the end, she gets money from Grace to support herself. It's like, she doesn't earn anything in this whole book. Mm-hmm. Everybody... Right does things for her mm-hmm. yeah you know actually like i remember reading the part with the radio and i was like oh my god this is her chance to step up to like yes. maybe work on it for days or something or they kick her out but she's like still working on it and then comes back and is like look i did this all by myself and then i was disappointed when everyone just immediately went to help her. Yeah. And uh. so Marie's one redeeming quality, or not really redeeming quality, but her 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 main attribute that she has that nobody else has is her French skills, which yeah. she never uses in the book. Yeah. In a well-written book, it'd be like, okay, she's not good at this, but her French skills got her out of this problem. No, she never uses them, ever. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It was it was just so frustrating because everything was frustrating. There, there were multiple times where she should have destroyed the radio so that it wouldn't fall into German hands, and she never destroyed it. She I just mean, leaves it. She leaves she left it. it. She came back and she's like, "I know what I'm going to do. I think we're compromised, but let me send more messages." She yeah. saw fresh boot print. Going I, into her apartment building. Very clear somebody yeah. was in the building. She, she says, hmm, this seems suspicious. Better go in anyway. I, yeah. I, I was very confused if I was supposed to think what she was doing was the right thing or not. Or Because she's doing it for love. She has to figure out where Julia oh, oh is. Oh my god, that's so dumb. So, okay. She's like, I have to stay behind in France to find Julian because he's gone missing. It's like, what are you going to do when you find him? Yeah. Number one, he's a high-ranking secret agent. He can take care of himself. He's trained for this. Number two, he's probably been captured. Like, it's probably what happened. There's nothing you can do. So, 
do your job, make sure that you don't get captured, make sure that your radio doesn't get taken, make sure that your crystals or like whatever, your, your silks with your codes, like that's your job, which she didn't do. <laughs> oh, it was- I mean, and then the one time she does do something right where she's like decides to stand up to the German SD or whatever, mm-hmm. Kriegler, Hans Kriegler, yeah. and- it like immediately backfires because that's when we find out there's someone who's betrayed the British government or whatever. But even so, you don't give your codes. Oh, I was so frustrated. I was like, you're both, you've trained for this. You know you're both going to pretty much die anyway. You don't give up your codes because you don't want the man in front of you who you've known for like two days <laughs> you've had like two encounters with right oh my god so i hate i hated a lot of things but so every time anyone would see marie and or or see julian they would be like could they be in love with each other it's like why would you think that? <laughs> like yeah no i can see it you guys are in love they literally had like two missions together which were just like a half-day mission thing. They weren't, like, they were gone for weeks together traipsing the countryside. It was, like, they did a half-day thing. (laughs) And... Well, maybe, uh, um, Julian just is constantly, like, gossiping with Will, like, (laughs) Oh my god, do you think she likes me? Can you, like, remember that girl (laughs) that I stuck in a shack? And she was so angry about it, but you know... I really like that about her. When he he goes to talk to Eleanor, I have this page right here. (laughs) Okay. She had been asking about Marie's work, though, and Vesper, who's Julian, answer suggested something else entirely. Vesper's reputation in the field was that of a lone wolf who isolated himself somewhat from his agents in order to lead. She wondered if he had developed feelings for Marie. (gasps) Why? What? (laughs) But why? Josie's there, um, as far as Eleanor knows, like... Why would you wonder that, like... He's a lone wolf, why would you immediately assume that he's into someone? It was, like, ten pages later where where Will is described as a lone wolf, and I'm like... They can't call you lone wolf! Why don't you use some other description? But, but yeah, and just, like, uh, Julian's uh, rationale for uh, sending the radio operator to go get the dynamite because, yes, that would be her job. The radio operator would, of course, be then sent to get the dynamite. His rationale was, anyway, sending you gave me the chance to see you again <laughs> for the second time. I'm okay with risking our entire operation just to see you again. Yeah. For someone who's obviously blundering, who asks too many questions, doesn't speak in French whenever, like, 100% of the times, like, she should. Yeah. I was, yeah, that was another thing. I kept waiting for it to be, like, very clearly written, like, in French, she says, and then I I could never tell for sure, like, is she actually doing this in French, or is she actually, there were only a couple times where they might have started off with, like, bonjour, uh, and then uh, it's like, okay, maybe. It's French. <laughs> bonjour. I don't know. Like, I wish they had done something else to indicate that they were talking in French, for sure. Like, italics, something. Italics uh, would have been great. <laughs> Simple italics. But yeah, and then, so for the romance, and this is where I go to, like, actual real-life history, so... 
a real-life uh, SOE agent named Violette Sabo. She met and married her husband within 42 days. Mm-hmm. So I get that romance can happen super, super quick. But I'm pretty sure they probably spent most of those 42 days together. Yeah. Whereas Julian and Marie, as far as I can tell, spent two days, maybe three days. Mm-hmm. And then they were super in love. I and mean, now, yeah. This is what I considered possibly the stupidest line of the book. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to read it and I want you to just think on it for a second. Finally, he stretched out beside her on the bed. They didn't touch, but he held her hand firmly in his. I get what she's trying to say. I don't. <laughs> that, like, their bodies, like, they weren't, like, cuddling. I get that's what she's trying to say. But they didn't touch, but he held her hand firmly in his. Yeah. So they are touching. Yeah. Um, I mean, and holding hands is pretty intimate, I feel like. Especially, yeah. like, if you're trying to make a point of, like, oh, we didn't even touch. Like, okay, like, maybe be like, oh, we didn't even touch except for, like, our toes grazed each other or something. I yeah, don't know. Add, like, add an he brushed it against me or something, but, like, holding hands all night long? What? <laughs> that was... And that, that kind of goes back to the, the writing style in general. A lot of my notes throughout the books were, like, she's both super descriptive and not enough. There was, like, one time where they were driving back to the flat, and it, it said, like, they made it back to the flat, but it didn't make it clear that they got out of the car. <laughs> so when, like, a map is laid on the table, I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> I thought that they were still okay. in the car. I thought um, that was just me. Like, there were so many sentences that I had to reread. And I was like, am I dumb? Like, maybe I'm just really tired while reading this. Like, I wasn't sure. I was I, like, am I? I felt like I was skipping words. Yeah, almost. I, I was worried I was skimming because I have the tendency to skim. But no, I, I feel like it happened a lot where she would be super, super descriptive about so many other things. And then all of a sudden, like, the transition, like, getting to a place. I was like, wait, when did they? Mm-hmm. When did they get into the room? When did they leave the car? When did, like, and that, that stuff wasn't there, so. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That confused me. I don't know. <laughs> Have either um, of you guys read Orphan's Tale? Or any no. of her other books? No. I haven't read any of her other books. Have you? No. Okay. I'm curious now. I was looking, I was trying to look them up. Because it sounds like she wrote a book about a Jewish woman falling in love with a Nazi. Hmm. And I was like, is this actually a book about a Jewish woman falling in love with a Nazi? Because that's pretty terrible. Yeah. So I'm not going to claim that she wrote a book where that happens. But I think she wrote a book where that happens. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. So I think that's all you really need to know about this author. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It had it had such promise. It was it was so interesting. And and the more that I've researched about uh, real life SOE agents, the women uh, who went into the field and and were the radio operator and all of this, I mean, they did such amazing things. And then to have that be represented by Marie. <laughs> yeah, so I'm offended by this book because yes. if, if girls like Marie were the actual SOE agents, we would have never won the war. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, um, technically, I am a radio operator. <laughs> there you go. I couldn't really relate to her blunders. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> oh, there are discussion questions in the back. Oh, yeah, of this I book. meant to. Oh, yeah. Let's look at those. Did Let's you? Okay. We're going to look at number five first, though, because this question is very important. Okay. It's very terrible. And I'm just astounded that okay. this is inside the Did book. Did you want to read it or do you want me? You should, you should read it. Okay. Question number five of the discussion questions in the book is, why do you think the mystery of the suitcase and its contents resonated so powerfully with Grace? If you found a mysterious suitcase abandoned in a train station like Grace does, what would you do? Turn it in. <laughs> <laughs> found. I, I, in this age of like, see something, say something. It's like, that is not a question. Yeah. <laughs> Unattended baggage. Unattended baggage. I wouldn't even touch it. I wouldn't even touch it because it's probably a bomb. Yeah, Yeah, you're supposed to tell somebody. This book was written this year, 2019, and that is a question that the author put in the back. And yeah, it's baffling. I mean, and then imagine, okay, imagine you did find a suitcase, you opened it. Yes. And and it wasn't a bomb. It wasn't a bomb. You found ladies' clothing in there. And then, but also you found some sketchy Polaroids of, like, 12 women. Like, are you like, I need to find out. I mean, maybe I'd be like, I need to find out who these women are because they're probably dead. Like, the serial Serial killer killer. has, like, (laughs) murdered them. Like, I I just can't imagine a scenario where I'd be like, I need to figure out. I know they're spies and, like. Right. I I don't even remember how she figured out they were spies. Um, I mean, they're I think they're clearly in uniform, so she knew they were like military. And then, right, I guess it wasn't until they went to D.C. that she knew for sure that yeah, they were. When they went to D.C. and they were just agents. allowed inside the Pentagon to look at. Oh my papers. gosh! That like the secretary let them into the Pentagon. Yeah. Again, no conflict in this book. Everybody just gets everything handed to them. They didn't have to, like, sneak around or make a plan. It was just, hey, I got you in. Hey, it's my boss's lunch break. Come on in. (laughs) (laughs) But okay, so that's question number five. Let's go to question number... I don't know what the other questions are because I just stopped at that question and was amazed (laughs) by it. I don't... You see, I wasn't really Im- impressed by, by yeah, any of these terrible. questions. I, I was ex- I'm always excited when there are discussion questions yeah. in the book because I feel like it'll make the discussion easier. Um, but no, it was like question number one is the title The Lost Girls of Paris refers to 12 female intelligence agents who disappeared while on their missions overseas. But the title has greater significance as well. In what ways are the three lead characters, Grace, Marie, and Eleanor, lost? And how are they ultimately found? I mean, they're lost because they don't have men, and then they do have men, and that makes them found. I think that's that's what happens in the book. (laughs) Yes, I think that's correct. Eleanor doesn't really, but she does find that one guy who calls her Ellie, and she's like, whoa, that's a little forward. Yeah, the the random American guy who was at, like, the um, war crimes trials. Who who let her into question the high ranking? Yeah, I shouldn't let you question this Nazi that's going to go on trial, but I will let you. Which okay, again, 
I don't, I don't know for sure what Vera Atkins, again, the real life Eleanor Trigg did, uh, but she did find out what happened to all of the agents. She went and that was her mission afterwards. She, she figured out all but I think one found out exactly like where and how they died. Um, and that was Marie. (laughs) There you go. She didn't die. She got away. (laughs) Um, somehow off screen yes <laughs> off screen. not through her her own actions but just, yeah. just because people help her i mean can we get a book about josie or that's what when when josie was introduced i was like why isn't the book about her she was so I cool thought, i thought she was gonna like start having chapters no i i kind of thought that yeah too. i thought there were i thought because it's the lost girls of paris i thought there would be more about the lost ah. girls I thought for sure we would get like a snippet on each of yeah. the of the twelve missing girls and and yeah. like what their missions were and and where they ended up. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's again it's going back to like that real life stuff. Uh, learning about Violette Zabo and how uh, when they were on a train uh, to the concentration camp and the Allied forces were attacking it and it stopped and and she and another uh, SOE agent uh, had the chance to escape but they made the choice because uh, all of the men on the train also they were just like dying of thirst you know made that choice to go and and get water for them instead of taking that chance to to escape and and then ended up in a concentration camp and and ended up executed. So it's just like you hear those real life stories and you're like, you were so brave and so you did your job and you did what you were supposed to do. And again, just to have that represented by Marie and Eleanor, I'm just like, it's so frustrating. And then Uh, just have a sentence for the other people. Yeah. Yeah, Something. Like not even all the other people. I don't know. So disappointing. I totally forgot about Eleanor at the war camp <laughs> at the end. She I forgot about the whole thing. Yeah, she's just... I mean, you like, you can't. the whole book, you can't. they talk about how she's not super charming, like, she's off-putting to people, and, like, in two seconds, she charms this dude, like, to get what? into the yeah. camp. Well, and then even uh, Kriegler or whatever, she gets information out yeah, of him so quickly. Yes. Yeah. So quickly. And then he gives her a key to what? A yeah, safety that he, that deposit box? Yeah. Like, what? I assume he swallowed that key. <laughs> it was rusty, guys. <laughs> I assume it was in his prison wallet. <laughs> That's, yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, it makes more sense than, than Josie hiding a grenade. How did she manage to hide a grenade? Was are there any other questions that are terrible? Um, I mean, discussion question wise, I'm sure there are. I mean, I saw one discussion question where it was like, how are things like in the book compared to like how they would have played out today or something like that? I don't have the book in front of me. Oh yeah, um, the women in the novel defied common conventions about gender during the 1940s. Debatable. No, they didn't, because there were many female SOE no. agents. Well, you know, well, Grace had premarital sex. That's pretty. That okay? Whoa! Oh, risque. Yeah. Risque. That's true. Living away from home. Yeah. Working. Yeah. Post-war working. Women were supposed to go back to the house after the war. Yeah. I mean. So yes. 
The one thing that I thought was, like, kind of on point was, like, these women are highly trained, like, radio operators, and then people still think that they're, like, secretaries, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like... I feel like it's the same thing in my profession where people are just like, you're like a secretary. And I'm like, no, I'm an operator, like Mm -hmm. a first responder operator. So I kind of related to that. But I was like, well, that hasn't changed in 60 years or 80 years or however long it's been. (laughs) Uh, 75 years. It's the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Which (laughs) I feel like there are so many books that came out about female SOE agents this year. Yes. Yeah. And I, I assume it's because of the 75th anniversary of D-Day, but it, it's weird how many books came out this year about right. this one specific topic. Yes. I, I think it's that. It's the 75th anniversary. Uh, and I, I could be wrong about this, but in one of the, uh, the TV show that I'm going to uh, talk about in the recommended section, uh, they mentioned that it was only recently that like the true training that the SOE agents was like declassified or whatever or was revealed to the public so and like and that show was from like 2018 so uh within the past couple years again i could have this wrong but supposedly within the last couple years is when really this information has been made more public than it like the actual training regimen that they had to go through so that might be another reason why these women are back in the forefront so yeah i don't know i don't really have anything else i thought there was going to be a big conspiracy there were so many car accidents i thought mark was the one who caused like all of them and then yeah there was no secret nazi <laughs> that's that's my conclusion there was no secret nazi zero stars no secret nazis in the world. <laughs> uh yeah um would you guys recommend this book i would never recommend this book to anyone <laughs> I I would also not recommend it. I very <laughs> I I told a, a friend that I was reading this book and she asked if she should read it and my response was no the <laughs> the characters aren't done very well. <laughs> it's a page turner because you're hoping for more, but I think yeah. um like once we go to like the suggested section or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah segment we can talk about like things that you should read or watch instead of this book like it's a page turner it won't waste too much of your time but why waste any time right so yeah so i guess that uh takes us to our um section where we're going to recommend uh books or media um that we uh feel are similar in content or tone uh, to the Lost Girls of Paris. Or that um, are better than this book. Or, this or that are... <laughs> um, everything that we suggest will be better. <laughs> yes. Maybe. Um, Hopefully. So I can start off with a book. Uh, it's called White Rose by Kip Wilson. Uh, it's written in prose. It's a young adult book that retells uh, the true story of Sophie Scholl, a young activist Uh, who put her life on the line as she tried to rally her fellow Germans against a fascist regime. Um, So basically, she uh, was intricate in uh, creating and distributing pamphlets um, that, like, anti-war, anti-what-the-regime-was-doing pamphlets, and it tells her story of, of how she did that and what happened to her afterwards. So that's my book. All right. Nice. So I have 
two nonfiction books to recommend. So after I, I read Lost Girls of Paris, you know, much like I'm sure all of us wanted to know the real story. So I've been reading Codename Lease by Larry Loftus, which also came out this year, which is about Odette Sansom, who was one of the agents and who was a lot cooler than anyone <laughs> in this book. Who, And it's also a love story. So if you really want a love story in your World War II spy fiction, it's it. There's, there's a love story. <laughs> and I also, a couple years ago, I read a book called We Band of Angels by Elizabeth M. Norman, which is about Navy nurses stationed in the Philippines during World War II who were taken prisoner by the Japanese. Mm. And that was a very good book. So those are my book recommendations. Christina? So I don't read a lot about wars. Um, <laughs> specifically World War Two, And if I do, it's on the Russian side. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I'm obsessed with Russian lit. But um, I actually want to read Codename Lease. Like, that's a book that I, like, read about. And so yeah, really if good. you definitely recommend it, then that's something that I'm going to read next. I mean, there's so many good World War II books, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> that aren't this. <laughs> I mean, it reminds me kind of of We the Living, which we're going to be reading soon. And it's so good. It's the Russian side. A little bit around the same time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So then I, I have two more uh, recommendations. So these are uh, media recommendations. So there's um, a short 16-minute uh, film called Into the Dark, uh, which is an interview with Vera Atkins, so the real-life Eleanor Trigg, and so about the the training and, and what happened to uh, the women who were sent over. And then my last recommendation is Churchill's Secret Agents, uh, The New Recruits, which is a show uh, on Netflix that puts people in period clothing and puts them through the SOE training to see who would be able to stick it out and make it through all of the training, which are both really cool. Nice. That's awesome. All right. So is that every single thing <laughs> Any last we have thoughts? to <laughs> say about this book? <laughs> I think... We've said it all. Just, yeah. It, it is an easy read. If for some reason you have to read this book, you can get through it. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to read this book before listening to this podcast, then sure, do it. <laughs> then you'll understand our pain and maybe have something to contribute. <laughs> So then, yeah, so uh, next month, as Christina already spoke to, we're going to be reading and discussing We the Living. I mean, I can read, like, a short summary for it. What, whatever, whatever sure. you like. Sure. Give us an introduction to We the Living. So uh, the next three books that we're reading are going to be our favorite books. So We the Living is my favorite book of all time. I first read it in college, I believe, and it's a love story, but it's also deep in the beginnings of the Soviet Revolution and, you know, when Petrograd becomes Stalingrad, and it's kind of an unofficial autobiography of Ayn Rand. I mean, it's 
fictionalized a little bit, um, but it's the closest thing we have to an autobiography, really, for her. All right. Very cool. I don't Um, know what your opinions of Ayn Rand are, but I... Either love her or hate her. (laughs) Either love her or hate her. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I I love her. (laughs) All right. And I Um, love watching Lit. (laughs) I'm obsessed. (laughs) I'm actually currently reading a modern, like a new book. That's like, I guess, modern day Russian lit. I don't know. It's called Disappearing Earth. It's really good. Hmm. Yeah. All right. does it for us Uh, so thanks for joining in on our discussion and until next time don't forget to treat yourself